the chant is drill baby drill he had such enormous fun that he called for another elephant to come it's just awfully good that someone with the temperament of donald trump is not in charge of the law in our country because you'd be in jail secretary clinton I say, America, stay out the bushes. Stay out the bushes. Jeff is a mess. Welcome to an August 16th episode edition show of the elephants in the room welcome listener emphasis on the singular (laughs) listeners (laughs) (laughs) um i'm gonna start off with my little psa please do um please leave us a review on apple Podcasts. it helps us get found by uh other listeners like you so it'd really help us out and uh that's my only psa viewers like you mm-hmm. and look us up on instagram and true social yes we used to we used to every day when when i when i first started off at the show as an intern and um <clears throat> um I'm not what gonna, show is that i'm not gonna say what show okay um for obvious reasons and um um, but one of the things that I was first like responsible for, like as an intern, was making sure like that show sheet was there, like the things to promote, the website, the email, the the this and the that. And um, we're not as profesh here. I just throw it in when I feel like it. Yeah, and whatever. Yeah, I yeah exactly. Yeah, we don't have. Uh, yeah, we uh, we don't we don't we're not we're not the most advanced technologically here, <laughs> but we're getting there. Um, anyways, welcome to the show. Um, I hope wherever you are, it is, well, it's not as possible to be as beautiful as it is here in Scottsdale, um, but I hope it's it's close um, where you are. And, um, you know, as we've been talking about on this show, the January 6th committee and the FBI raid on Trump have kind of served as this gigantic shiny object that the media is just going to chase after, you know, like a, like a dog chasing after the mailman, stereotypically um, speaking. And... Um, and this is um, to cover up for what's been happening in the country. And, you know, the other thing that the media loves to do other than just, just highlight this stuff is highlighting how it fractures the GOP internally. Um, there's nothing the media loves more than seeing people on the right fight with other people on the right. Um, Never you know, waste a good crisis. Yeah, right. You know, they always try to get us all whipped up against, uh, against one another rather than us focusing our energy on the policies the left is trying to implement like this, <laughs> like, the, uh, like the inflation, uh, like the, uh, inflation act that, uh, that will not reduce, inf- that, will, that will not do anything to inflation. Um, the, I- the IRS agent act, um, the audit the middle class act, um, which is what it is. Um, and it wants us to distract us from this and fight on, and, and, and focus on the raid, focus on January 6th. And, you know, because we are, you know, 
naturally passionate people, you know, when we get riled up, um, that just leads us to get distracted from this overarching goal. And I've been reminded of it over the past couple of days because you can see online and even when you speak with people, you can kind of get naturally and politics comes up and if you're of our mind, generally, you know, there's always going to be, a, oh, you think Trump's going to run again? What about DeSantis? What about, you know, Christy Nome? What about... Uh, the lady in South Carolina, Nikki Haley, the other one in South Carolina, uh, Tim Scott, Senator Scott, um, you know, it's this and that. And it's all this intrigue about an election when we haven't even had the 2022 midterms yet. <laughs> number one. I'm always jumping ahead. Right. Number one. And um, and number two, I just I keep I kept seeing this stuff, you know, oh, DeSantis is polling ahead in 2024 in Florida and this and that. And it's like how. This is absolutely why does anyone need this information? It only serves to get people mad at each other online and start debating all of these different things that we don't need to spend our energy doing. And I got to ask you, um, 2016 primary, mm-hmm. beginning of the summer. Yep. Um, who was the first front runner? When it came to raising the most money, who came in and made the big splash right away? Scott Walker. Scott Walker. Scott Walker. Scott Walker came in. Now, Jeb obviously had his $100 million pack, right? That was the big thing with Jeb. Jeb had a hundred. Jeb's a mess. Jeb's a mess. Jeb's the worst. Jeb had the $100 million pack run by Mike Murphy, and they spent $100 million, and I'm sure the consultants made a lot of money, but I think we all know what happened in Jeb Bush's campaign. The other big one was Scott Walker, right? Coming off the reek, successful, fighting off the recall successfully in Wisconsin. This is a Republican governor. Taking on the taking on the public sector unions in a purple state and winning. Um, this is a very popular. Um, uh, th- this is a very someone who has you know he's a star attraction at CPAC. This is someone who is campaigning for other governors around the country. This is someone who had you know thought you could bridge the gap between the establishment GOP and you know blue collar everyday america something that the republican party didn't do a really good job of uh, a group of people the republican party didn't do a great job of communicating to over the previous election cycles um hello mitt romney um and scott walker raised something like 20 million dollars right away it was like oh man you know it's this ground well scott walker and jeb bush and everyone else didn't foresee someone coming down the escalator at Trump Tower just a few weeks later. And my point being is that things change rapidly. Ten days ago, we did not think that we were going to be talking about the FBI stealing, essentially, the passports of the President of the United States, only to later, once it became public that they did that, to hand them back to him and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, we really didn't need to get these. Like, Donald Trump's not a flight risk, Right. Um, so I just wanted to make that point because I keep seeing these things pop up about, you know, what this means for 2024 and let's do 2024. We'll, we'll take, we'll start taking care of next year, but for now we do have to focus on 2022. And more importantly, when we talk about 2022, we got to talk about what is going on in this country, the stuff that's impacting us on a daily basis, the stuff we have to deal with regularly as people in the workplace or, parents who have to deal with nonsense that their kids are getting subjected to. Um, and I woke up this morning. I turned on my phone. Good start. It was a good, hey, listen, <laughs> it's a good start. And I look at my phone and I see that we are in a new crisis. Katie, do you know what this new crisis is? 
something something climate change mm. okay close 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 maybe it does maybe maybe these people are too busy protesting about climate change but we have a teacher shortage oh. uh, apparently in this country um um and this was education secretary miguel cardona raising a valid a valid issue um we're at the doorstep of a crisis and we don't take it seriously we're going to be facing what we experienced during the omicron spread where our teachers didn't have covid but they had to quarantine and we had to keep our schools open across the country today students are preparing or going into school for the first day there's so much promise so much hope i'm excited about the school year but we have to address this issue head on we have to make sure our teachers are getting a competitive salary teachers make 20 percent less than college graduates and other professions so this is what he's saying he's saying look we have a teacher shortage people teachers aren't getting paid enough we need to pay pay teachers more in order in order to to fill this gap okay so they also go national education association president we've been sounding the alarm for almost a decade and a half that we have a crisis in the number of students who are going into the teaching profession and the number of teachers who are leaving it got it okay so this doesn't sound great right and I, I i think we've all had experiences with good teachers bad teachers we know they're good ones we know they're bad ones but we know that we've all had teachers who have who have helped us along the way and helped us learn and have had it had really positive impacts on our life we've all had teachers like this so we we all know inherently you know that there is like a the a true value is these days for having a teacher i also want to say I personally think that teachers are a little bit overburdened today because of the collapse of the American family. You have kids whose parents, rather than making their child's education the primary goal of the household, farm out the education and, frankly, the discipline of their child to the school system because, you know, dad went off with someone or mom ran off with someone or, mom, or dad's in jail or whatever it may be or the kid was you know kid was just born out of wedlock i don't need no man whatever the case case may be is that there's no study out there that says anything less than having two parents in the household is the best way to have the kid right two the par kids biological parents right that's like that's like generally speaking right it's always it always comes down to you'd rather have two than one Right. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, you want two more than one. Um, and so I truly believe that that this decline in the American family, this explosion of of kids being born out of wedlock has led to teachers facing more of like a, a discipline crisis. Right. Like I see a lot more ill disciplined kids these days, you know, than I remember like 10 years ago. Sure, I don't know that I was paying attention enough to know. <laughs> I just you you just kind of you kind of see it, or they're just kind of zombies. It's just every kid, you know, like like most people, just staring at their devices all day. So I get it. I understand this. I understand this. So, what are school districts doing about it? You would think school districts want to make sure that they're fostering an environment to make sure that teachers know that they are going to be supported, right? That they're welcomed. Right. If we need teachers, you need people from all walks of life to be teachers. Right. If that's if that's what you're calling out, we need we need we need teachers. We need teachers. Right. A new contract between the Minneapolis public schools and the local teachers union mandates white teachers must be fired first when any kind of staff downsizing is initiated. 
Oh, good. Starting with the spring 2023 budget tieout cycle, if accessing a teacher who is a member of a population underrepresented among licensed teachers in the site, the district shall access the next least senior teacher who is not a member of an Let me, let me rephrase that. How many white teachers in the Minneapolis public schools saw this today and went, you're right, I could be making more money elsewhere. Sayonara. What on God's green earth are these people doing? Think about this. Think about this. Ostensibly, these people are supposed to be wanting to focus on educating the youth of America. That should be their first and foremost priority, right? Making yeah. sure that the kids are educated and ready to tackle the challenges of tomorrow. And we've all seen those studies when they ask American kids what they want to be and Chinese kids what they want to be. Chinese kids want to be astronauts and American kids want to be YouTubers, right? Great. So we have some hurdles to overcome. A way to help, a way to make the hurdles taller in America, a way to turn kids off to education is to throw them now into a classroom with like 50 or 60 kids because you're now discriminating against people in your own area when it comes to hiring teachers. Oh, you're white. Sorry, we don't need you here. You're not welcome. By the way, the president of the union, white woman. Hmm. Did I even, I mean, did, did, I mean, come on. I mean, this is, this is the work of a nutbag. A little bit of guilt there. I, well, that's, so, well, so, then she's out first. She should be fired immediately. <laughs> right. <laughs> How has she not voluntarily stepped down? I mean, it's frankly racist that she hasn't. She's got to go. Got to go. Gotta I mean. Go. It's, it's, it's great, but the, the reason why I wanted to bring this up is because a couple of days ago, um, I, was, I was reading an article, and this is not the only place where this is happening, okay? This is happening in workplaces around the country, and in particularly an industry that is dear to my heart, since a close family member of mine was in this industry for several decades. The headline was this, woke airline policies threaten safety, say pilots and staff. This is from the Epic Times. This was from about a week ago. I've had this on hand because I've been looking to pair it, obviously, with another article. And when you see that the Minneapolis Public School is literally telling white people, you are not welcome here. Um, well, this brings up, this, this felt great with pairing this because we're talking about education, educating America's, America's future. Let's talk about how about safely transporting Americans in general, and one of our largest industries, the airline industries. And this is an industry that is absolutely incredible when you think about it. When you think about the number of planes that are in the sky at all times, 
over American airspace. How many people fly on a daily basis in America, an annual basis in America? Think annually around the globe. And then you think about how many plane crashes there actually are. It is wild. It's absolutely one of the crazy, safest things to do in the world is to go on a flight. Yet also the most terrifying. <laughs> it's also the most stressful these days. I mean, there is, there's, there's, this, um, there's this NetJets commercial that obviously comes on the Golf Channel because the Golf Channel is like 40% private jet commercials. And... <laughs> And one of them is about a pilot, like, you know, how great it is, like, the sun is just rising, you got that early morning flight, oh, yes. the air's smooth, and it's like, yeah, it is nice. An early morning flight is nice. Everything before takeoff is complete hell. That's horrible. But he's right. That is nice. A nice, smooth, early morning flight, and you just have an adventure in front of you the rest of the day. Um, it, it, it is. But I wanted to get to this because the first and foremost, everyone involved with an airline, their number one goal is your safety. That's what they say on the their announcement. Their number one goal is your safety. Okay? I know it. Listen, you think flight attendants are there to serve you Coke and peanuts? No. They are there when you are losing your mind because something may be happening, they're there to keep your cool and make sure you survive to the best of their abilities, whatever may happen. That is their job. That is the pilot's job. Their job is to make sure that they get you to point A, point B intact, right? That is it. Anything else, you are on your own. I truly believe this. I do not understand why people think that they, they, get, they should get a three-course meal on, on every single stinking puddle jumper that they, that they fly on. Like, oh, well, I got a 45-minute minute flight. Where's my cheeseburger? You yeah, used you to have to. a lot of amenities. Oh, flying back in the day. Man, that's how you date yourself. I remember when they used to serve food on flights. Yeah, all, all the amenities. Mm. But now you're... you're lucky to not have a crazy person yell so your flight has to get diverted definitely not speaking from personal experience in a letter to members last month the southwest airlines pilot association pointed out that for the first time in a company's in the company's 51 year history a non-pilot is in charge of hiring pilots this is an extraordinarily technical and specific job okay you want a pilot interviewing another pilot for this job period end of sentence we are a single step away from hiring pilots based near upon reviews of their resumes association president casey murray wrote to union members they don't South even make them test drive a plane when a well-qualified former military pilot applied for a job southwest never contacted him for an interview but the applicant learned that a woman was hired as a pilot despite having half as much experience in the airline industry. The man had experience as a captain, while the woman had only been a first officer who sits next to the captain in a cockpit. I don't know why you're telling me this. Now I'm not going to get on a plane. Well, that, I mean, that's the point. That's the point of this, is that it's, it's, it's ha, 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 teachers union doing teachers union things. But this is an actual serious situation that's going on in this country where, where, where companies are prioritizing what their, num what, what their DEI numbers, their diversity and inclusion numbers look like, 
rather than actual job performance. And they ha we have proof of it here. Proof of it here, prioritizing the hiring of someone less experienced than another pilot. That's what, when safety is at stake, you go with the better option 10 times out of 10. Second, look at the Minneapolis public schools and what they're doing. Not interested in the best teachers they can find, only interested in the teachers that fit their subjective criteria. And that is, what color, what, what color skin are you? Think about this. In kindergarten, we learned, you know, it's not about the color of your skin, it's about the content of your character. How many times did we hear that mm -hmm. in school, over and over and over again? Well, not anymore, folks. Not anymore. Um, moving on, um, just want to hit a couple, couple other quick news items after that. Um, so the latest on the Trump FBI raid is, is um we're still waiting to see more details okay <laughs> um it's a lot of the update is there is no update yeah the update is there's a lot of hearsay eric so eric trump says they've got the they've obviously got security camera footage they're going to release that when the time's right on thursday they're trying to get the affidavit You're telling me the fbi didn't cut off the cameras Guess not. Well, no, because they said that they watched Trump and his lawyers watch the raid from New York. I mean, I know he, they watched it, but I'm surprised that they didn't c kill the cameras. I'm a little. I'm. I'm. A, I'm. I'm. I. I am, and I'm not. I mean, but I. I will have to say this: if they killed the cameras, then it. Trump, I mean, Trump would be go ballistic. Yeah. He'd be going, it would be like the Nixon tapes. Where's the footage? Where's the nine hours? Where's the nine hours? Right? That's what he'd be saying. Oh, no, no. They would have stepped in it. So anyways, the, the big thing this week, though, that we do know, this is a factual thing. Well, tomorrow, well it's Thursday. Uh, Judge Friedman, the Ep friend of the Epstein, friend of Jeffrey Epstein, mm. he's reviewing the if they're going to unseal the affidavit. There's no way they're going to do it. Um, it's just... They're just giving, basically because it's the president, it's the president of the United States and the former president of the United States and Department of Justice involved in this. They're going to give him the hearing, um, but that nothing, not, I, I, I mean, one hundred percent, nothing is going to come of that. Um, it would, from from what I've read online, it would be like the first time in history. <laughs> um, um, uh, and it, it's whatever. It is what it is. But anyways, so the, the big brouhaha yesterday was the passports, that, Don, right. that the yep. FBI took Donald Trump's uh, three passports, an expired passport, his active passport, and his diplomatic passport that he had from being president of the United States. So two active passports they took during this raid. And he tweeted out, or, or truthed, he truthed, uh, that the, uh, the passports had been take, stolen by the FBI, you know, why would they need this, blah, 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 blah. Uh, CBS's Nora O'Donnell, who uh, went to the Dan Rather School of Journalism, um, for those of you uh, without a library in your town, <laughs> um, let, me, let me remind you that Dan Rather and his production team um, uh, cooked up some, some fake documents about uh, George W. Bush's time in the uh, Texas National Guard around Vietnam. Uh, they ended up to be complete fabrications and... Um, for some, and because of that, Dan Rather is seen as the uh, pinnacle of American journalism over the past 30 years. Um, so anyways, uh, Nora O'Donnell, the, uh, the CBS News anchor uh, in the Rather chair, uh, uh, tweeted 
out yesterday that the FBI didn't take Trump's passports. Oh, what did they take then? Uh, they took his passports. Yeah, okay. Uh, they took his passports. Yeah, this was fake news. Fake news. Actual, actual fake um, news. Actual fake news. Actual misinformation. Um, she's never deleted the tweet. Um, it's been retweeted like 10,000 times, 35,000 likes, you know, stuff like that. Um, this is true fake information from a major network anchor making its way around the globe in seconds um, that the FBI said wasn't true. No correction needed, folks. No. No correction needed. That's how careful... That's how careful... Um, that's how careful the, the, the media is. Um, the other thing that I wanted to point out was um, um, I've been doing a little bit of digging. And like I've said before, I think they're, gonna, I think they're going after obstruction of justice and some other stuff. Um, you know, I, 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 I know all the theories out there about the documents and who some of his business associates, the Saudis, who might be interested in some of those documents. Um, and that just goes back to previous comments that we've made of, you know, you need you need them on tape for that one. Um, but uh, just the history of presidents maybe not being the best with classified information. Um, Trump is kind of notorious for it. Um, the, the one that I knew right offhand was when he tweeted a satellite photo after a, a strike in Iran, like a drone strike. <laughs> And uh, and people were like, "Hey, <laughs> hey, hey, you uh, you tweeted that that photo, huh? Because I bet you, I bet you, whatever took that picture isn't probably something we want people to know was, was over there." And um, and uh, and sure enough, it was. Um, um, but it doesn't matter. Uh, I guess there, I guess there were some other things um, um, that that he's done as well. Um, uh, yeah, the spy, the spy satellite photo of the Iranian rocket that burnt up on a launch pad. Yeah, that was it. I want to cl clear that up. Um, uh, when challenged by journalists, he said, we had a photo and I released it, which I have the absolute right to do. <laughs> uh, in 2014, though, President Barack Obama appeared to acknowledge the existence of a program of drone strikes in Pakistan that, until he described it in an online video chat, hadn't been explicitly acknowledged by intelligence or defense officials. <laughs> Um, the uh, the other one that I saw was um, Scooter Libby. Apparently, the whole Scooter Libby um, incident, where Scooter uh, Libby um, passed um, some information to a journalist about uh, Valerie Plame, and um, you know he he got he got in trouble for it. Uh, but anyways, apparently Bush just kind of said it was it came out during this. That Bush said, "Hey, this information is declassified. Here you go," and so that's why Libby didn't face any charges when it came to any of the classified information that he was handling because um, the Department of Justice didn't want, didn't feel like it would be on the right side of the argument of going, "Hey." As president, you can't just do that when it comes to classified information because there's been a precedent kind of set in situations where the president's done it and it goes. Um, so apparently, there is there is a history of of um, of you know uh, of whether if Trump said, "Hey, this is declassified," and took it out of Mar-a-Lago, there's there there could be some some 
there's going to be some interesting, some thought about that. But I just wanted to pass that along because that's a little bit more of a factual look at, at, at what's going on and that there's a history of this stuff half, uh, happening. You know, these presidents at the, the end of the day, they're human, right? They're not perfect. They're not right all the time. They're not wrong all the time. They're privy to a lot of information, a lot of sensitive information. Every now and then it does, it does get out there. Someone will say something, um, especially these days when there's more ways to get, you know, your message out. There's cameras everywhere um, uh, these days. Um, so I, I did want to pass that along. Um, the, uh, the other thing that I saw today that, that I wanted to get into uh, was what the FBI should be investigating, which is the Biden family's ties to um, the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, this is from the Wall Street Journal today. The United States has identified intensifying technical competition with China as a top national security threat. But a Commerce Department-led process that reviews U.S. tech exports to the country approves almost all requests and has overseen an increase in sales of some particularly important technologies, according to an analysis of trade data. Of the United States' total $125 billion in exports to China in 2024, officials required a license for less than half a percent, Commerce Department data shows. Of that fraction, the agency approved 94%, or 2,652 applications for technological exports to China. The figures omit applications returned without action, meaning their outcomes were uncertain. The result... The United States continues to send to China an array of semiconductors, aerospace components, artificial intelligence technology, and other items that could be used to advance Beijing's military interest. Hmm. Why on earth would we be allowing that practice? Now think about this. Think about this. At the same time, the Biden administration is saying, hey, in order to get an electrical vehicle tax credit, you can't purchase anything that has parts made in China. We're sending those parts over now over to China, which are immediately make their way into the military. Immediately. Immediately make their way hands into the Chinese military. Hmm. China owns everything. I think you might be interested to know that the Chinese have paid the Biden family $31 million uh, over, the past, uh, over the past several years in quote-unquote business dealings that they were doing. $31 billion. $31 million, Not billion. $31 million. I was like, that's a lot of money. <laughs> $31 million. I wonder what $31 million buys you. You think they're getting anything in return for $31 million? Yeah, I think they're getting a lot of stuff. When you spend $31 million on something, you probably want a little bit of return. You want to see something for that $31 million, I bet. Probably. Probably. Yeah. There's nothing to see here, though. Nothing to see here. There's an actual trail of Chinese Communist Party officials paying the Biden family $31 million. And we've relaxed how we... Uh, and, and apparently we just continue to relax all of our standards when it comes to exporting sensitive technology to China. Sounds like a nice business to be in. Sounds like a nice business to be in. Um, if, uh, if, <laughs> if I was the Biden family. Um, 
gotta finish this up with one story. Oh, by the way, more people more people want to take vacation than are concerned about COVID. Yay! It took two years. It's done. Every Is now, it? every now and then, I hear stories about like people still wearing masks outside or seeing people wear masks outside. And I'm just like, whoa, whoa! It's just mind boggling. Um, or still like the parents who don't mask but make their kids mask. That's always great. Nice little child abuse there for you. Um, there's a spaghetti shortage. Oh no! People actually have to eat healthy food. Well, I should. I should. Uh, there's a tomato, tomato sauce, spaghetti sauce shortage. Oh. Tomatoes. Okay, so wait. Is there a spaghetti sauce shortage or a tomato shortage? It's tomato sort shortage. So we've this gone is so, very far away. You were like right? spaghetti. Nope, sauce. So nope, tomato. Okay, so I'm we have glad. a tomato so shortage. So I am glad I did this to you intentionally, because Kitty. that's the headline. The headline is spaghetti sauce under threat. Well, that's because no one eats vegetables. So if they had written tomatoes, no one would have clicked on it. <laughs> What's a tomato? <laughs> they should have written ketchup shortage. I mean, ketchup that really shortage. would have got people going. Yeah. Yeah, there's a tomato shortage. They're having trouble growing tomatoes in California. Why is that? Water. Not enough water. They live next to an ocean. Yeah, but there's, there's restrictions. Yeah. <laughs> Do we do we really need to do Max we need to start I'm making a joke. do we need to start delta smelting the uh, the the uh, conversation here? So, well, I, that's all I have. I guess today. they'll just have to cook up something else. I I you get pesto. I think I might need to run to the grocery store right now and get some ketchup before it all runs out. Oh yeah, that's it's right. It's really the only tomato-based thing I eat. Do you think this affects tomato paste? Could affect tomato paste. Because I, I use that a good I amount. It's tomato okay, product. I should go stock up on that and ketchup. Otherwise, I think I'm in the clear. Tomato juice. You, Bloody on Mary's. the other hand, eat tomatoes every week, so you might be up a creek. I, I like tomatoes. I, like, I put them in my salad every day. You might need to start growing some tomatoes out back. Well, it's really hot enough. Do they grow in the heat? There's got to be some warmth. All right. All right, folks. We got to go to the grocery store, apparently. Apparently, so, stock up on tomatoes. They so don't go bad. We'll see you on Thursday. I hope so. Yep. If I wake up. <laughs> see you on Thursday, y'all. <laughs>